This is the fourth Sunday of Lent. We're in our Lenten journey, and on this journey, we've been uh, experiencing a beautiful series called Redemption, powerful stories of redemption. And today, we're going to look at the New Testament, our first New Testament story of redemption, and examine one of the most drastic and devastating examples of demon possession found in the Bible. And thankfully, it's one of the greatest examples of deliverance in the Bible. And we see that Jesus is this man's defender. Let's dive right in to the scripture. They sailed to the region of Gerasenes, which is across the lake from Galilee. When Jesus stepped ashore, he was met by a demon-possessed man from the town. For a long time, this man had worn, not worn clothes and lived in a house, or lived in a house. He had lived in the tombs. When he saw Jesus, he cried and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice. What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the unpure spirit to come out of the man. And many times it had seized him. And though he was chained hand and foot and kept under guard, he had broken his chains and been driven by the demon into solitary places. Jesus asked him, what is your name? Legion, he replied, because many demons had gone into him. And they begged Jesus repeatedly not to order it to go into the abyss. A large herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside. And the demons begged Jesus to let them go into the pigs, and he gave them permission. When the demons came out of the man, they went into the pigs and heard the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. When those tending the pigs saw what had happened, they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting at Jesus' feet, dressed, and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it had told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured, and then all the people of the region of Gerasenes asked Jesus to leave them because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. The man whom the demons had gone out to beg to go with him, but Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. That boat slides into the shore. Jesus hikes his leg over the bow and he steps on the soft bank of the sea. Immediately he is met by a, a demon-possessed man. Who is this man? He's a tortured man. His hair is tossed dry, caked with waste. His beard appears shaggy and matted with debris. His eyes stare saucer-like, hypnotic, betraying his cluelessness about reality. He's naked. He beats and cuts himself with sharp rocks until blood flows and clots and flows again. There's dark bruises all over his skin like leopard spots. He lives in a cemetery. It's not his choice, but the demons make him live there because demons love things of death. Imagined or real zombies are his friends. 
And Gerasene citizens try, tried to rescue him, tried to contain him, but the shackles and chains break because of his superior strength. How does one control? Control craziness. How do you manage chaos? People avoid the area where he lives. When they see him coming, they run the other way. They are clearly afraid of this guy. The local villagers, they know the situation is beyond their scope. They realize that the devil is at work. Tyranny and oppression is in operation, enslavement. It's heartbreaking. But this man still makes a decision to go to Jesus. He still has a soul in there somewhere, beloved. And that soul wants freedom. And somehow he breaks through and he runs to Jesus. Right there on the shore, he meets Jesus. And Jesus knows what's up. What's your name? Jesus asks. Legion, he shouts back. For he knows many, many demons have entered him to possess his life. And since legion represents 6,000 soldiers in the typical Roman army, darkness is truly in charge of this man's life. But Jesus does not want him to stay that way. The Redeemer always chooses to redeem. This story shows us that there's never a situation or circumstance that cannot be redeemed by Jesus Christ. No matter how many demons, no matter how much darkness is involved. Do you believe that this morning for yourself? Now, I know in the modern world, it's common to hear uh, a couple of different things about demons and evil spirits. Either people say they are myth, and whenever the Bible mentions a demon causing something like this, like in the passage of Luke 8, it's really just because ancient people didn't understand mental illness or physical illness. But the other extreme is that people really get hung up on demons and spirits and the occult, and they seem to be everywhere or even try to dabble in the occult. And that's very dangerous. I love what C.S. Lewis says about this in his Screwtape Letters. He said, there are two equal and opposite errors in which our race can fall about devils. One is to disbelieve their existence. The other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. The Bible states that there's clearly a battle between good and evil. And Jesus acknowledges the existence of demons. Demons, And I'm certain that the creator of the universe understood the difference between demons and mental illness when he saw it. If it had just been mental illness, Jesus could have said to the man, hey, you have a mental illness, be cured. And that's what would happen. But that's not what Jesus did. So this is, this is oppression from the demonic. So these demons, they shout out to Jesus, what do you want with me? Jesus, Son of the Most High God. That's a great question. Son of God, what do you want to do with me? Pain cries out from this man, doesn't it? Oppression moans and groans within this man. Do you know that we are at a war? We are. The enemy is always trying to kill and to destroy you and your relationships. But the victory, the battle has been won already by Jesus Christ. 
Ephesians 6, 12 mentions this, For we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness in this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. We are in a battle. We have to armor up with Christ to keep our lives ready in the face of the enemy. And a part of facing the enemy is to name the evil, my friends. That's why Jesus asked the demons to name themselves. It's all about honesty with God. One must, by the grace of God, look the lie in the face and name it. Who are you, oppression? What do you call it? What's underneath that sin? In reality, what we think are sins can become ginormous, little sins can become ginormous strongholds in our lives. Strongholds come from compromising the enemy. And the enemy uses those compromises to possess. For example, one of the things that I talk to men about a lot is pornography use. It can, be, it can really be called, and it's in its true form, past sexual abuse or stress reduction, or turns into boredom, avoidance. But the heart of it is pain and deep hurt. Alcoholism can be uh, called coping, or heartache, or simply numbing the present reality, or circumstances, or past trauma. Eating addiction can be named insecurity, or comfort for unresolved pain. You see, deep underlying issues affect behavior. What does Jesus do? He asks the question, what is your name? And we have to go to Jesus and tell him what's up, folks. Be honest with God. There's a five-letter word, truth. You see, God wants you to be completely honest with him. The best thing we can do for ourselves in our relationship with God is to be completely vulnerable before him. Why? So that that which doesn't belong can be cast out forever into the abyss. And that means being honest with him. Folks, please tell me what relationship, what relationship is healthy without being honest? There are none. I have to be honest with my wife about what's going on in me. And sometimes I don't want to tell her, but when I do, freedom and support usually come. Yet we think we shouldn't or can't be honest with God, as we also need to be honest with ourselves. Our honesty solves a million hurts before they can ever be formed, and it is the beginning of breaking chains. I can hear you right now <laughs> saying, but God knows everything, so why do I need to be honest with Him? It's about relationship, my friends. It's two-sided. He knows and wants your whole heart. He knows and wants to know what's going on with you so that he can be your defender. Love wants the whole heart, right? This means we take a, a step of faith as being vulnerable requires, and God delights in that, my friends. When we do that, and this man wanted to be understood because he was so misunderstood, and Jesus took the time to understand him and eventually delight in this man. It reminds me of Jeremiah 24. Wonderful, wonderful scripture to memorize. But tell him who boasts, boast in this, 
that he who understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, righteousness, and truth in the earth. For these things I delight, declares the, the Lord. He understands you completely, my friends, and he delights in us. For we see him as he is, and he is loving, he is kind, he is righteous, and he is just. This means taking your heartache, your worries, your thoughts, your oppression, your sin to him and talking to him about it, being brutally honest because he does know. When we bring these things, we submit those things to him as well. We lay them at his feet where they belong. And unexplainable freedom can come. And it will take place. And in that freedom, we find peace. You know, I made a promise to myself to be honest with God about where I am. Even when it wasn't pretty. Because only when I admitted the struggles can change really occur inside of Jonathan. This is why we must be vulnerable with him he wants to turn our heartaches into triumphs but he won't force his way this man ran to jesus jesus didn't run to him and force him into this relationship this man gave up and went to jesus and he wants us to hand him to the in, hand him the addictions and have us walk away and not fall back into them through his power and his strength and his victory and he wants to show us how to live abundantly in that freedom and it means being truthful before him. You know, that's why we have Break Free and Celebrate Recovery here at Anderson Hills. At Anderson Hills, we want people to be free. We want chains to be broken. For example, the key success of Celebrate Recovery, and I love it. The first three steps, just look at these. First, we admitted that we are powerless over our addictions and compulsive behaviors and that our lives have become unmanageable. The first step is truly rooted in honesty. Romans 7, 18 says, I know that nothing good lives in me. That is why, that is, that is my sinful nature for I have a desire to do what is good, but I can't carry it out. Number two, it swings into number two. We came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity we believe in the power of the son of the most high god and restoration is found in him for it is god who works in you says philippians 2 13 to act according to his good purpose and then three we made a decision to turn our lives and our wills over to the care of god we have to go to jesus and have him be the cure and then the care. Romans 12, 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, or they are a spiritual act of worship. And that's a part of Celebrate Recovery. That's what a part of it, what it is, it's all about. The care of, God's, uh, of God and others in your life. Since last fall, we've, we've celebrated or, or offered Celebrate Recovery every Thursday night at our Salem campus. It's a program that centers on Christ Jesus as the healer, and it helps people with all types of problems and addictions. And every one of the, us has certain hurts and habits and hang-ups. 
in which we need to find release and live in freedom so that an abundant life can fill us through Jesus Christ. Some recovery programs only focus on alcohol or drugs or a single addiction. Uh, Celebrate Recovery, or CR, deals with all types of problems and issues. And one of the things that folks in CR do is celebrate their experiences, their victories, and their hope together with each other. It's one person telling another person how Jesus changed their life. And anyone in CR, at any time, can come to Christ and experience that healing. And you can come, too. Check out and get more information by uh, typing in Celebrate Recovery in our search box on Anderson Hill's webpage. We've seen today that Jesus dealt with demons, evil spirits, and strongholds, and it was a big part of his ministry. He also gave power and authority to cast out demons to his disciples, which means we have it too. We're called to continue the fight and do his ministry, even greater things. And we have to learn how to exercise delegate authority. We have another uh, ministry here. It's called Break Free Workshop, and that begins Monday, April 17th at 6.30 here at the Anderson campus. And you can check out that in your weekly today. You see, almost all Jesus' stories of healing There's restoration of that person, and there's restoration of that community. And this man was brought back into community. And he's no longer a cemetery dweller. He's a part of a community, and they begin to experience that wholeness. For the healing today, and the fellowship of the family, and the congregation, and the community is a key to our restoration together as being together in the body of Christ, being freed together in that emancipation. Becoming free is not some do-it-yourself project, my friends. We need help. We need each other. I need you. You need me. Together, we need God's help. We need each other. We need the ministries of a biblical church to help make us whole. And Scripture reminds us that we are imprisoned by sin, but our faith in Jesus Christ is the key to our freedom. The key to our freedom in Him and victory. And just like the man was finally free and totally restored, you think about it, before he was violent, now he's peaceful. Before he roamed naked and now in in the cemetery, and now he's clothed and brought back in the community. And did you catch in the passage of Scripture, it said when they came to Jesus, they found this man whom the demons had gone out sitting at the feet of Jesus. And he was in his right mind. And it says they were afraid. They couldn't grasp the reality of what this man had been transformed into. And he's at his feet. He's worshipped. And before, the evil forces possessed him. And now he's in his right mind, my friends. Before, he was naked. And now he's clothed. Before, he was in terror. And now he's full of gratitude and worship to God. Before, he was hopelessly lost. And now he's a child of God and found. And I love it. What a contrast. What a contrast. Legion before had no purpose or meaning in his deranged life. And this man who called himself Legion is no longer that. He's liberated. And Christ has set him free. You see, Jesus launched into a direct frontal assault 
on dark and evil powers that had taken control. And little did this man know that Jesus bought him back, bought him back, purchased him from slavery by the power of God. And all this man, like I said, wanted to do was sit at his feet. There was an abolitionist that went down to the slave block. He saw a young slave girl. He took money from his pocket and he bought her. When the purpose or purchase was made, uh, she heard his voice say, young lady, you are free. She said, sir, please, what does that mean? He said, it means you are free. Does that mean, she asked, that I can say whatever I want to say? He said, yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Does that mean, she asked, that I can be whatever I want to be? He said, yes, you can be whatever you want to be. She asked, does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? He said, yes, you can go wherever you want to go. With the, girl, with the girl with his tears streaming down her face, she said, then I will go with you. I will go with you. That's what happened to this man, once called Legion. He wanted to go to Jesus. He wanted to stay attached to his Savior. Check it out. Luke 8, 38 through 39. The man from whom the demons had gone out had begged to go with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return home. Tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. He couldn't keep the news to himself. And he wanted to be with Jesus. But Jesus said, You, you go and share. Can you go and share today the testimony of what God has done? The emancipation process that God has done within you? My friends, I once was blind, now I see. I once had a cold heart, a uh, cold, selfish uh, heart, and now my heart is strangely warmed with the fire and love of God through the ministry of the church and the defender of my faith, Jesus Christ. You see, Christ was his freedom, and he, this man wanted to be attached to that freedom forever. What if your chains were broken today? What would you do? Where would you go? What feeling do you think you would have felt once you walk outside of that stronghold and walk into the world again in that freedom? Who would you tell? We need to understand that feeling because Christ has set us free from the bondage we have been in all of our lives. He broke every chain the enemy has used to try to bind us. And I, will pray, I pray that we will feel the amazing joy of having that freedom together, together, and be able to sing out and worship at Jesus' feet. So what's in it for us? We are heirs to this freedom. The scriptures say we are heirs, not slaves anymore. Rather than embracing the freedom we find in Jesus Christ, we sometimes allow ourselves to remain chained to the past and the things of the world. We don't know that we are benefactors of emancipation of this freedom. And we see in scripture that we, we need to embrace that together. Folks, you don't have to live that way in bondage anymore. Galatians 5.1 in Christ, we are heirs to freedom. It is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. 
and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Paul said that we should not subject ourselves to slavery again. Our chains are broken in him. And we have been set free, free through his sacrifice on the cross. And we are now a part of the family of God. Heirs rather than slaves. Beloved sons and daughters of him. You know, Paul implored to the Romans to be slaves to righteousness as well. Romans 6.18 says, you have been set free from sin, and now you've become slave to righteousness. When we serve righteousness and we begin to do the right things, when we begin to find that those strongholds and those sin, that sin diminishes in our lives, and we're freed for joyful obedience in Him. And sin begins to dis be disgusting to us. Blah! We want to flee it, man. We don't want to have anything to do with it because we want the holiness of God to be inserted. And we long for that righteousness to increase in our lives. Paul, again, pointed that out in this passage that we are set free from sin. And this makes us one benefactors of his righteousness. And we're in bondage no more. If Christ could set people free in this story, then he can set us free today, right now. You, me, in that freedom. On the cross, think about it. Jesus broke that stranglehold of sin and death that it can have on us. Through the cross and empty tomb, Jesus won that victory for us and he has redeemed us. He has claimed and reclaims and continues to reclaim who we are and whose we are. And he has made us anew and given us a new heart, given us a fresh start every day. New and new mercies I see. And do you see it in that freedom? And the Holy Spirit helps us face the times when temptations come to try to draw us back into those strongholds. I don't know what chain is holding you today. I don't know what bondage you feel your life under. I don't know what brokenness there is in your life, but he completely understands you. He knows you, and he knows the pathway to freedom in your life right now. Because he's the one that speaks freedom. He's the one where demons flee and run back to the abyss, to their destruction. He's the same one who can bring healing into your life today. All you have to do is meet him. Meet him on the shoreline of your heart, my friends, and say, I need you, Jesus. I want you, Jesus. Free me. Redeem me. And you know what? He will. Mark it. He will. His promises endure forever. Will you join me in prayer? In you, our chains are gone. They're shattered. They're broken. They fall to the ground like dust. You, O oh Lord, you are the giver of freedom. You're the proclamation of emancipation for us. God, may we embrace that today. Redemption found in you. Thank you for redeeming us, O oh Lord. Thank you 
for freeing us from all oppression and sin and death. God, today we give you our lives. We give you all of ourself. We just want to sit at your feet and worship you. And as we sing this song, may we sing it with newfound freedom today, with new mercies and a newness of, 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 of the freedom that we have in you, Christ Jesus, for you have broken every chain. Thank you. Thank you for your redemption. We love you. And we pray this in the mighty name of our defender and deliverer, Jesus Christ our Lord. And all God's people say, Amen.